0: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select Campus events, while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. You know our trusted partner TireRack.com for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Goodyear Assurance Weather Ready. But did you know they sell other automotive products? wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin, TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thank you to our friends at Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the 2024 Colin Coward Show. Panini America delivers a premier collecting experience with the most sought-after NFL, NBA, FIFA, and WNBA trading cards. Whether you're chasing rookie sensations or collecting timeless legends, Panini's got it. Panini America is also breaking new ground in NIL, featuring some of the biggest names in college sports. Turn first round picks like Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr., and more. Visit PaniniAmerica.net today. The Volume. Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet the big game, bet just five bucks. That's it, five bucks, and get 150 bucks in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Takes about 90 seconds. Use the code Colin, C-O-L-I-N. New customers, bet five bucks, get 150 instantly in bonus bets for the big game. DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Remember. Redeem code Colin, C-O-L-I-N. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, KS, Licensee Partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms and and responsible Gaming Resources. All right, well, it's uh, it's sort of a lull before the storm, the week prior to Super Bowl week. And so I, I tend not to break down the games or worry about that stuff until we get to Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of next week. Um, this week we had Tom Brady on, and it's interesting. One of the questions I get asked a lot How do you think Tom Brady will do at Fox as a broadcaster? And um, I've always had this kind of opinion about people. Whatever job you do, you become your personality. So let's just take quarterbacks. So Tony Romo was a playmaking quarterback who was really fun to watch. He was a little loose, wasn't always efficient, but a big playmaker. And I thought he was always underrated. He didn't have Troy Aikman's career. Uh, He doesn't have Brady's career, but Romo's personality, if you'd met him, it's fun, it's loose, it's easygoing. And I thought that's how he played. He only had a two-to-one touchdown to interception ratio. Tony made some mistakes and threw a lot of picks, but he was also a playmaker and was good off script. And as a broadcaster at CBS, he came out flashy, like he was as a player, with a bang, predicting plays, a lot of attention. And I guess the criticism of him could be he's a little loose, sometimes not quite buttoned up, don't always feel like he's completely prepared. Fair or not, that's the criticism from critics, media people who monitor this stuff. But his personality became a style as a quarterback and his style as a broadcaster. Brady is very much the opposite, a three-to-one touchdown to interception career, more efficient, more about preparation. Um, Always feels completely buttoned up, but not flashy at all. And I think that's his personality. I think that was his football career and I think that's what he'll be like as a broadcaster. He won't be predicting plays early and get him a lot of attention for that. That that won't be, that was Romo. That's not his personality. That's not his style. He will get better over the course of time. And he'll be highly conscientious, super prepared. And I think over the course of time, you will appreciate him like New England did like Michigan football did over the course of time Tom doesn't blow you away with playmaking and flash but it's, it's attention to detail his leadership um his um kind of self-awareness understanding what he is what he isn't and leaning into it um and I and I think uh, all broadcasters sort of their careers become their personalities um And I think that's what Brady will be as a broadcaster. I think by and large, most people doing this do a good job. I was, I don't talk much about broadcasters. People get very sensitive. I'm a broadcaster. So, you know, I don't want to talk about it a lot. Last year, I offered kind of a marginal criticism of Romo, that he had a reputation. He loved his golf. Like sometimes I felt in blowout games, he wasn't always dialed in. It's no big deal. Uh, That got a lot of pushback Um, and and to validate my opinion, Sean McManus acknowledged uh, publicly that he went out and uh, went down and talked to Tommy Romo about things he thought he was good at and things he needed to get better at. So I never felt I was off base. But back to Brady, I think I kind of have a sense of what Tom will be as a broadcaster because I watched his career and I know his personality from enough people um, around Tom lot of detail, a lot of preparation, slow growth, slow build, and you'll look up in two or three years and think he's a heck of a broadcaster. Broadcasting, um, you know, I've always had great respect for the people that do broadcasting on site, the play-by-play people, the sideline people, and the analysts. So what I do is a studio show, and I have to ad-lib for three hours, and I don't think it's easy. Um... But these game broadcasts, you have to deal with the environment and the crowd and directors and read commercials and throw to um, the studio, throw to the sidelines. I think it's very, very difficult. But play by play, guys, Tariko and, and Kevin Burkhardt and, uh, you know, all the great people at Fox, ESPN, NBC, Jim Nance. They're terrific. Al Michaels. Um, You you do get into a rhythm of a game and calling a game. Not that it's easy. It's much harder than what I do for a living. But I think one of the hardest things to do is football analyst work. I think it's damn hard. So basically, you have to talk in eight-second intervals, 250 times a game. And if you make one mistake, it is all viral. You're trending. One mistake out of 250. That's why I think the criticism of analysts is mostly embarrassing, ridiculous. I do think Romo can be a little loose sometimes, but it's it's not to me that noteworthy. I don't turn the game off. Uh, I think Nance and Romo are entertaining. They're fine. I think Chirico's always got great energy. Uh Burkhart, Olsen, I think have been just magical together in a short time. Um you know, Michaels is good with everybody. So I just, I th- I think sometimes when I read the media critics, I don't care if they take shots at me. I, I really don't see all of it, don't care. But I think to be a football analyst, you have to be patient with these broadcasters, these players. This is not what they do. It's very, very difficult. I I don't know how the college guys do it. Like in the NFL, you've got a limited roster. To be a college football analyst and you got 85 scholarship players, walk-ons, <laughs> And you get into a blowout game in the the third quarter, and you have to have an opinion on a player that you've maybe probably never seen play. I mean, you're looking on your sheet. Well, you need to be prepared. You're, nobody's that prepared. You, you haven't memorized the life story and the career of every backup for Toledo football. So I'm going to be patient um, with Brady. Um I thought people got a little too hot, hyperbolic on Romo early calling plays. I thought it was fun, but that can't define you. I mean, I mean, what are you going to do? Hit fifty percent? You know, that's tough. I do think Tony brings in a pretty good energy. He's fun, and I think again that was his career. I loved watching Romo play. I defended Romo as a player for years. I thought he was terrific. Uh, he was just sometimes loose, you know. He'd he, he, Tony Tony throw an interception at the wrong time, but. He is one of the most underappreciated Dallas Cowboy players of all time. A uh, Career didn't last very long, but at its height, it was wildly dynamic. Go look at his numbers. Google his stats. He had some big years, a lot of big years, and he could move. That's why when I said I thought Joe Burrow was like going to be a, a a better version of Tony Romo, I always thought Tony Romo was an A to an A-minus quarterback. He didn't play very long, but I, I thought in Tony's best years, he was like A-minus. You know, Favre was A+. Uh, Aikman was A, A plus, Uh, Brady, obviously, Manning. But I thought Tony was lower end A or B, plus, 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 plus. Um, And I think as a broadcaster, he can be fine. But his playing and his broadcasting feel the same to me. And that's what I think you'll get with Brady. So there's been a lot of talk recently. The NBA trading deadline is coming up and, and, and people have discussed what about the Lakers moving off LeBron James. And I don't think this is going to happen. And there's a lot of reasons here. So, um LeBron's good for business. The Lakers haven't, they won the bubble year, but you know, they've been a really inconsistent and at times dysfunctional team over the last 4 to 5 years. And if for the last you know, I mean the last 5 years before LeBron became a Laker, they were a mess. They were like record-wise worst or second worst in the league over half a decade. So, they had the bubble year, but they've mostly been a really inconsistent franchise. And LeBron sells out games, and he's one of the great Lakers of all time, even though the Laker fans got him post-prime, right? But I think you have to consider if you trade LeBron James, and he doesn't want to be traded because he has such a dynamic business portfolio in Los Angeles, you're going to piss off LeBron, and that means you're going to piss off Clutch Sports, and Clutch Sports got AD to LA, and in the NBA, there's a handful of very influential agents that you don't want to be on the wrong side of. It doesn't work that way in football, but it does in basketball. It can be um, very provincial. I mean, I can remember years and years ago, uh, you know, Michael Jordan's agent was highly powerful, very connected to David Stern. Um, and that was the reality. Michael was just really, really important for the league. So I, I don't think there'll be a trade because I don't think I think LeBron committed to you as a franchise and has sold so much merchandise and so many tickets and he won you a championship that I do feel the Bus family and they historically have been very loyal to people that have rewarded them. I think LeBron's really kept you afloat uh for the last 5 years he's kept you viable he's he's made you tens and hundreds of millions of dollars and added to your value um and I just don't think you'd trade a player like that I I that doesn't mean um I'm going to rebuild my roster solely based on what LeBron wants but the Lakers are a small um ownership group. The Bus family uh, is not nearly as financially secure or dynamic as the Clippers owner, Steve Ballmer. He's the richest owner in the NBA by far. So I just think when LeBron came here, he, to a large degree, kind of saved the franchise. Um, you know, they, they weren't good in Kobe's last years. Uh, they weren't competitive. Uh, the Warriors were running the league. They were an afterthought. They had run through coaches. Um and I and I think LeBron did them a solid by coming here. Now Los Angeles has also helped his business um career. His net worth is is robust, probably over a billion dollars now. But it's um it's been a relationship where LeBron has helped the Lakers, the Lakers have helped LeBron. And it's not that the Lakers couldn't get other players if they traded LeBron. I never buy into that nonsense. The bottom line is players take care of themselves but I think just on a personal level, LeBron doesn't call out coaches publicly. LeBron is good for business. LeBron does interviews after every game. LeBron's been an upstanding citizen in the community. I don't think you treat him that way. And I, you know me, I'm not super loyal guy when it comes to, you know, sports history, like move a guy. Um, And you could say, well, Colin, you'd trade Clay Thompson. One of the talks has been trading LeBron to the Warriors and getting some pieces back. Uh, Clay Thompson is different. He didn't save the Warriors. Steph Curry's been the face, Draymond the two, Clay the three, and he's been a great part of that franchise. But Clay Thompson's not selling tickets. Steph is. And, and Clay Thompson um, also was at a point in his career that you'd only be able to overpay him to keep him. And he's not as good a player as LeBron is. LeBron is still, on any given night, the best player on the floor in an NBA game. He's not as good as Jokic over the course of a season or Giannis or Embiid. But on any given night, LeBron's the best player on the floor in in the biggest games of the year. So I just I just think there are certain times LeBron's been good for the Lakers. The Lakers have been good and Los Angeles for LeBron. I don't think you trade him. I think you sit down with him and say, hey, this thing's getting to a close. Let's make it as elegant as we can, as thoughtful, conscientious as we can. And then you go from there. Um, but I, I, I just, LeBron's been very valuable to the Lakers. He's on on a lot of nights. He's the only reason you go. On most nights, he's the only reason you go. He's made a lot of people in that organization a lot of money. And there's value in that, right? They're, they're, yeah, I wouldn't trade LeBron. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on-and-off-road adventure.
1: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: John Middlecoff, former NFL scout,
1: got a podcast
0: at the volume, three and out, knows the Niners back and forth. All right, 34-31, Niners second Super Bowl in five seasons, overcame a 17-point lead. So the, the one thing I'll say is for a seventh round last pick, and for an undersized guy, uh, Purdy has been in so many games, high school, college and now pro. He's just had so many snaps that he's just kind of situationally, he, he, I, I see no higher low of them. I mean, if he goes to the podium, Johnny's unemotional. Yeah. He, I've never seen him smile. Yeah. He smiles less than Kawhi
1: Leonard. Like there's, yeah. he's just like, he's just kind of static. That's not a terrible quality. He's not very emotional. Very mature guy. I mean, he's engaged at 23, 24 years old. I mean, I would say that's not typical for NFL quarterbacks in 2024 in the modern-day culture. Uh, one thing, you know, speaking of the two quarterbacks in the second game, if you just put him in a pocket untouched, Goff throws a better ball. He can see much easier. He's no six question. Foot five. But the game, as games get uglier and as you can generate some pressure and things just – it's football. Things don't go as planned. You need to be able to make some plays with your legs. Jared Goff just cannot. Kirk Cousins cannot, and that is one element that Kyle, who likes Kyle, would like Jared Goff. But there is an element of having just an athletic quarterback. You don't need to be Lamar Jackson. You just need to be able to move.
0: That's why they drafted Trey Lance. They wanted it.
1: So Brock gives them that
0: element, and and it's funny when they got Trey Lance. What I had heard in the building was (laughs) he's not as athletic as we thought.
1: No, he's slow, and that's you know there are always a thing in scouting about. Time speed or athletic ability. If you went to watch a guy play basketball or a guy at the combine, you know, the combine's in a month or whatever, all these guys run fast 40 times. And then there are guys like St. Brown, who I don't know what his 40 time is, but he plays really fast. Debo runs a four, five, five. We'll put the ball in his hands. No one catches him. Right. So I don't know what Brock Purdy runs, but I know when he scrambles or when he moves behind the pocket, he moves fast enough to get away from some guys. Now he can't run away from everybody, but his play speed is really good. And this gets back to instincts. And to me, instinctive football players, the Lions have a lot of them. You know, yeah. I mean, they, they really do. They, they have a fast team. So do the 49ers. Fred Warner plays really fast and Dre Greenlaw play really fast because they're instinctive players. I mean, they're good yeah. athletes, but when you can read and you know what's coming, I mean, th- these players in the NFL have been talking about this in the history since I've been alive, about knowing what's coming, preparing, it helps you play faster. And then there's the upper level of like the truly great instinctive players. And obviously the 49ers are full of them. Right. I mean, they just are from Kittle to Debo to I I think their coach, you know, when he gets in a rhythm, Kyle's weird. Right. Ben Johnson has just been red hot all season long. Kyle can have games where you feel like, God, what's he doing? And then today it just kind of flipped. And then he got his mojo and the rest was history.
0: The Niners Lions looked exactly like I thought I said on Friday. I said Detroit will probably take the lead. They're a great first half team, Ben Johnson. I said, Purdy'll play from behind. it'll be go- it'll be close. If Debo plays, I said he'll make two or three big plays and they'll win. I think I predicted the score would be 34, 28 or 34, 27. So that game, now I didn't expect the meltdown in the huge lead, but the, the final result was San Francisco just made more big plays, their physicality took over. Detroit was not quite ready in the moment. That's what I thought I would see. it just how we got there was different. Yeah. I do not remember ever a playoff game with what I perceived to be a great team being more wrong. That game, first of all, my entire belief on the game was, oh, they're going to pound the rock, make Mahomes sit on the sideline. And it was Kansas City that had a nine-minute drive.
1: I know. it. it the game looked the opposite of what I looked like. The I time of possession, both, I remember they put it on the screen one time. You're like, this is insane. It's insane. And they abandoned the run. Like, I thought it was
0: going to be uh, Baltimore lead, um, uh, Kansas City can't quite keep up. In the end, Baltimore couldn't score. They they abandoned. It's, they didn't abandon the run. They never ran. They never yeah. attempted to run. So that game, that game. Okay, so let's talk about this.
1: How do you match the experience with the coaches on Kansas City? When you think about Andy's now been in the league for thirty plus years, and all the Spagnola can can lean back on the games against Belichick and his experience. I mean, it's it's so I have been a I've
0: been a big defender of Lamar. I love how much he cares. Every year he gets bigger, he gets better, and we cannot deny he's a better pocket quarterback today than he used to be. No question,
1: fantastic player.
0: But I did think today it is now fair to say. Not quite the same in the playoffs. I defended him forever. I used to say Peyton Manning wasn't the same in the playoffs. It's it's hard to win in the playoffs. Today, and again, I'm not blaming him. He had no run support. I hated the game plan. But he melted a little late. And I think it's fair to say he had a couple of bad throws. I do think it's fair to say that he is, he tends to be run-centric. He can melt a little. He's not as good from behind. Most aren't. But when you watched him in Mahomes, I'm like, some of the criticism is just now. I defended it, but it's just.
1: Well, from a f- specific football standpoint, he got fidgety today. He got rushed. He looked like the y- younger Lamar, where yeah. in the playoffs, when it wasn't going Baltimore's way— He would one read and then kind of scramble around and kind of scramble within the pocket. And it just throws everything off instead of all season long. Now, granted, they were beating the crap out of most teams, right? He was very under control. It's like, well, if this is the version of the player, I'm all in because he's calm, you know, kind of moving around. Today, he got very fidgety. He he got very, felt very uneasy about two seconds into the place. And part of that, I think gets back to, the immense amount of pressure in a spot like that against that opponent and you start going, we're down, you just naturally kind of freak out. Now, maybe we look back in a couple years and he wins a game like this and he says, going through that experience, helped me out. But today he resorted back to the guy. Like I, I, I said yes. this last week, everyone's shitting on Josh Allen. Was he perfect? No, but I never watched for a moment and thought I wouldn't want that guy on my team. If you right. put that guy on a team that's stacked, you're winning with that guy. It was not his fault. He did not look overwhelmed. I'm not saying Lamar looked overwhelmed, but I need you to be in complete control. The moment you get fidgety, it's the Peyton Manning thing in the playoffs. You're playing the best of the best. He used to lose to the Patriots. You're playing the Andy and Mahomes here. They're not going to screw up. And this defense is solid. Like just live to fight some other, you know, get a seven-yard gain, right? Complete some balls. The balls were flying on them, the rain started coming. But to me, he was very, very uneasy yeah. in the pocket. And that, to me, you kind of knew it right away. Like, you, you could feel it. And it happened against the Houston Texans. And then he came out a different guy. Why? They started running the ball, calmed everything down. He never calmed down. Their offense never calmed down.
0: Well, they didn't do, Monken didn't do him any favors. The way to settle a quarterback down is get him a run game. For sure. By the way, second half, Niners, Christian McCaffrey peeled off a couple of big runs. Everybody comes down. The temperature in the room comes down little swing past the Debo. Debo breaks tackles. The sideline play to Kittle. It just brings the temperature down. It gets the crowd into it. So San Francisco, after a rocky first half by Purdy, what are we going to do? Let's get him some yards. Let's not put the pressure on him. They never did that with Baltimore. They just kept dropping him back. By the way, and Spags is bringing extra people. Baltimore can't block them. So at no point did Baltimore say, listen, because they saw what you saw. God, Lamar's
1: frenetic here. Let's get him help. Nope, they just dropped him again with six rushing and five blocking. If I told you this morning that before the game kicked off, the Chiefs are only going to have 17 points, you you would probably assume they're going to lose, right? Like I, I didn't envision a spot where they could win 17 to 16 or 17 to 13 or 17 to 10. But what happened today? Awful pick in the end zone in a triple coverage. Karlovskis gets a big strip sack against them. Obviously, the Chiefs came through with turnovers. You can't afford to have the 49ers overcame the pick Purdy. It was early. What they would not have been over, able to come overcome a pick in the second half and let alone countless turnovers. Stay Flowers, Lamar Jackson, the fumble trip sack. I mean, that's you're not overcoming that against, you know, the new dynasty. It, it's not possible. But it starts with him. I mean, I the whole building, I, I would imagine every guy and, and and female that bought a ticket felt it early, like, oh, we're in trouble. This quarterback looks a little off kilter. And, and let's face it, he, he was.
0: All right, Nick Wright, we do this on Tuesdays. It comes out on Wednesdays. We talk about a lot of stuff we don't normally talk about. You know, it's interesting. Uh, we'll kind of pivot to this, the Taylor Swift thing where uh, apparently MAG is upset and uh, and uh, p- people are upset with that. I did a rant today uh, that made, you know, it got a lot of play on, I guess. I, guess. I don't see a TikTok and some stuff like that, is that um, it's so, here's what's weird to me. I think about this a lot. How would my wife and my daughter and my stepdaughters judge me if I was bothered by 30 seconds of Taylor Swift in a broadcast that lasts three and a half hours? Here's what I always wonder about men. They can't have strong women in their life. The fact that a man, if I went on the air and I was outraged by Taylor Swift and I had like, I have a really bright daughter and bright stepdaughters. And a smart, savvy, outspoken wife. I have a sister who doesn't really follow me, but she'll get stuff on Instagram or TikTok.
2: That's my sister too. Not that all interested in what I do, but sometimes gets sent to her. Yep.
0: Always was the non-sport stuff? Yeah. But I always think about this. If you're a man and you have women in your life that you either love or respect, don't you have the self-awareness to know what an effing idiot and insecure D-bag you look like? being bothered by 24 seconds of Taylor Swift shots from a box in a a three-and-a-half-hour broadcast? all
1: right,
2: listen. Taylor Swift was shown almost to the second the same amount of time in the Chiefs-Ravens game as crab cakes were. So uh, anyone pretending like, oh, it was too much, they are projecting their own issues on it. And it is... It it is partially yes, everything like the I am it is hard to shock me these days at the things people will get mad about, but this is shocking. Yeah. This is this, if there was ever a feel good story, it's hey, this guy who try aside I, I guess people don't like Travis. Because he did the commercials for Pfizer, like this
0: is. I mean, Nick Shaquille O'Neal, and I know his agent will has taken. He's done six hundred ads for. I mean, he's. If you ask, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. He's
2: doing it for the general. He's doing it. He's a tight end.
0: They don't get commercials. He's at the end of his career, and people are going, "Hey, will you do it for a million and a half?" The answer is yes.
2: And, And also, by the way. Even if, so here's why. All right, I'm going to be very honest here for a minute. I find a lot of some of the people angry about the vaccine stuff to be very intellectually dishonest because if the stance is, like you have said, don't do mandates, my body, my choice, whatever it is, so be it. But that must then also mean if Travis Kelsey's like, man, I love the fucking vaccine. I think it right. saved people's lives. That's they, right. He, and scream from the mountaintops. Good for him. Like do whatever you want. But they hate him because of it. They they hate Travis Kelsey. And Aaron didn't help this situation. Gone, Mister Pfizer, whatever. Taylor, like shockingly, the vast majorities a majority of pop young pop stars throughout all of American history tend to lean liberal. Now, maybe she won't in her 60s, but there's not a bunch of super popular 20-something-year-old musicians in American history who's like, man, I'm a hardcore conservative. That is not what, the, you know what I mean, what the artistic fields typically are. So these two people coming together, and they just hate them. They just hate them. And they, I think they hate them because they're young, they're happy, They're good-looking, they're successful, and they are jealous. Guess what? Everybody's probably a little jealous of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. It's like, well, you got a billion five between you. He's the best ever at this. You might be the best ever at that. You do whatever you want, but there's a level of happy for you. Seems awesome. There used to be uh, something of almost aspirational happiness on behalf of others. I feel like, when people saw Brady and Giselle, there was an element of "God damn, man, that's why you practice so hard in high school. <laughs> like you might literally end up marrying a supermodel like that's And I know that's kind of, you know, no,
0: I get you what you're saying
2: school guy stuff, but that is part of it is like you, you know, the, the prom queen and the jock athlete and all that stuff. And I, I, I can't conceptualize. The well, people who hate these people, they, yeah. they get angry at it and they're angry because Taylor Swift is shown Jason Kelsey was shown more in one playoff game than yeah. Taylor's been shown in all of them. And I'm not talking about a playoff game he played in, but go ahead.
0: The people bothered by Travis Kelsey, Giselle, Tom, Taylor Swift. Those aren't successful people. They resent success. People that, that want to be on this journey and they just love, doesn't matter what you do. You don't have to be rich, but you love the journey. You love other people. You're happy. They're not the ones outraged by this.
2: So I, I agree with you to a degree. I think you're right that the people who didn't like Tom and Giselle and now don't like Taylor and Travis, those people resent success. My fear is that there are a different group of people maybe with some crossover who were not bothered at all previously by uh Tom and Giselle but now have gotten so political at- tribalist yes yeah. that if i know affirmatively you are on the other political team as me i hate you i just i i i i actively yeah. hate you and that and and that is it's like man i get it I, I don't get the hate, but I understand if, so, if you feel someone is constantly preaching their politics, even if you agree with them, you can be like, man, it's a bummer. I'm, You know what I mean? I'm not here for it. All of it. But I don't look at Travis doing the commercials as preaching politics at all. Huh. I Taylor once every election cycle, I think sends out a link about like registering to vote. And I think she yeah. endorsed Obama, I think like eight years ago. That's it. If that level of like I, I'll give you an example. I, if I had the opportunity to sit down with Bill Belichick, yeah. I would, I, I'd pay money for it. If I could sit down and like pick his brain, talk to him, whatever it is, I, he doesn't preach his politics. I am, you know, he's at the very least buddies with Trump. I'm pretty sure like, he, I think that's where he aligns politically. Yeah, I know conservative and I think he's a Trump guy. Knowing that doesn't make me be like, man, I hope he never gets Shula's record. I hope he's unemployed forever. Like, it's like, okay, we we wouldn't talk about those things. And it is, there is just a level of anger. Can I I ask you before we end, real quick, just because you said lists and it got my brain going? Yeah. Right now, this moment is, and I have to ask you a Mahomes question before we end. Is Mahomes, in your opinion, a top two all time quarterback?
0: Yes. So that's, 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 that's interesting. You just found our final topic. So I have no problem separating raw talent from productivity. I don't think Bill Russell's nearly as good as Kareem was (laughs) or as dominating as Shaq. Um, But he was more productive. I can separate those two. I think most fans can. You certainly can. Where... Mahomes, I think Marino is significantly, is one of the most gifted throwers, if not the most gifted thrower. I watched his prime. He was a machine. Big, strong, fast, quick. He was like Aaron Rodgers with more size, more of a power arm. I mean, he had all, it was just, he was, in a, he, he was better than Elway at just throwing a ball and Elway was great. Marino, I'd never seen anything like Elway. Think of Aaron Rodgers was, it just, he yep. was bigger and more natural and no JC. He was the best high schooler, the best college guy. He just had those rumors that hurt him in the draft, but he wasn't productive like a Brady yep. or a Manning. So what you're seeing with Mahomes now is the most naturally gifted player, including Marino. He's the most naturally gifted. Yep. And now. The production is insane. It's insane, and and I pushed the, back early when Tom beat him a couple times. I'm yeah. like, let's slow down. Okay, now he's stacking chips.
2: It he like stacking everything.
0: You it's have so to like, win a couple World Series of Pokers. You know, you could be the bigger brain. Let's say you're an academic yeah. and and you you're beaten the late uh, Doyle Brunson and who's a smart guy, but you're like the, viewed as this Elon Muskie smart guy. But you can never win the World Series of Poker. You win six out of seven? Okay, then you're the greatest. So, so that, so listen. Mahomes
2: it, just on the accomplishments route, I look at it like a marathon, and if you ever or the, look at the Olympics, if you're watching someone run the 1600 meters, after one lap, they tell you, are they on world record pace? Right. Yeah, no one can be like, "Oh. Hadn't done it yet. It's like, well, the race ain't over. All we can do is judge the pace. So Brady, we did this on the show today, 22 seasons as a starter because you take out both of their rookie years, because luckily both of them didn't play the rookie years. 22 seasons as a starter, seven Super Bowls, which is bananas. That's 31, 32%. 10 Super Bowl appearances, that's 45%. 14 um, conference championship games, that's 64%. Mahomes, as of this moment, Two Super Bowls in six years, that's 33% just ahead of Brady. Four Super Bowl appearances in six years, that's 67%, way ahead of Brady. And six for six on conference championship games, that's 100%, that's way ahead. (laughs) If he wins in two weeks, now he's 50% of his years as a starter, he's won the Super Bowl. 67% he's been there. And the other two years, he lost in overtime the round before. So the production, he is on pace to shatter everybody's. The numbers, he's on pace to shatter everybody's. So this is where I, so you said I like lists. So this is my quarterback lists. And it, it is um, kind of a rich tapestry of raw talent, accomplishments, eye test, all of it. Brady is one for now. Mahomes is two. Peyton Manning is three. Joe Montana, four. Elway Marino is really hard 5665 cuz yeah. Elway went to 5 Super Bowls, has more MVPs, has yes. more rings, and I kind of feel like but Marino was better. <laughs> like I I know that sounds shitty but Mar- and then rounding it out of guys like what I would call modern era. So like post Bradshaw, Staubach yeah. post that is Rodgers, Brett and the guy who I think is the most underrated um of all time and steve young yes I yes think he is young was the Insane. closest thing to mahomes before mahomes yep, as far as yep. creativity athleticism yep. crazy so like i think if mahomes like i'm ready to say mahomes is, was is better than peyton manic like i have him ahead yes. I, and peyton won five mvps and i think he can run down tom I don't, and I don't think he, Tom did something interesting because Tom was on with you. He, you know, he did a couple of interviews today. And in one of them, he was asked about Mahomes. And Tom said, you know, was talking about how great he is and all these things. And then he was like, listen, man, because he was asked about someone else being the GOAT. And he said at the end, it was so, it was so slick. He was like, listen, if anyone can get to seven Super Bowls, like, I want to shake their hand because I know. Like, he's he made it very clear. Oh, yeah, someone else can be the GOAT. They better get seven fucking rings, though, because I don't want to hear nothing about someone because he knows seven's going to be hard. But And so he's like, that's the standard. Just to be clear, get to seven and we can talk. But I don't think you have to get to seven. Like, the point I always make, forget Russell. Michael Jordan retired the first time. Retired in 1993, um, had three rings. Magic was still playing at that time, had five. Kareem had just retired, had six. You know what they put on Michael's statue? The greatest there ever was, the greatest there ever will be. They weren't counting rings then. They were like, no, we saw him. He's better than everybody. He's the best. Nobody ever started, by the way, counting rings until Michael got the most. And then people were like, oh, we got to count the rings. Um, and he's still, I mean, the mo- kind of the most, um, uh, and so I, I, Brady, Brady does have, it's not like Brady doesn't have eye test stuff. Brady is yeah as great of a leader, clutch, all of it. By the, by the way,
0: by the way, throws as good a bad weather ball as I've ever seen.
2: Super important. Super important. And the, the AFC, bad stuff. all the great organizations Af- are normal. Right. Yeah, exactly right. And so all that matters. So I'm not trying to discount Tom at all, but Patrick's got a path here. If they can win, they they traded away Tyreek Hill and said, we're taking the long view of it. Yes. And it was right. The defense. We have yep. the second, this year, the Chiefs have the second youngest defense in football. If the first two years without Tyreek Hill, they peel t- both rings then all of a sudden you're back ahead of the pace, and people hey. throw the 2-0 at me all the time. He was 2-0. Listen, the Super Bowl's the Super Bowl. Tampa kicked Mahomes' ass. Everybody go rewatch the 2018 AFC title game. That's one of the two wins and tell me who played better that game. Like, By don't you can't hold that one against Patrick.
0: The volume. Thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed the podcast, take a moment, rate, and review.